You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. I want to start off by saying this. Um, if you're from Scandinavia, if you're from Sweden, uh, from any of these, and you haven't been home in 30, 40 years, um, what I'm going to say might not sit well with you. Um, but I assure you, I do not intend to offend you or upset you. What The information that I have and the need that I have is from Sweden themselves, from Scandinavia themselves. This is what they say about themselves, and we take this stuff off of their websites and out of their, their news feeds, and, and we use it to explain the need. As of right now, Sweden is second as the least religious country in the world. Um, about 90% are atheists or secular. There are more Jedi Knight than there are Christians. Only 3% consider themselves a Christian and attend the church on a weekly basis. Um, I'll give you an example, comparison. Illinois has 14 million people. Sweden has 9 million people. In the state of Illinois, there are 78% professing Christians with 55% attending a church on a weekly basis. So, I mean, I don't know what the stats are for Indiana or Michigan, but you guys are saturated with Christianity, saturated with people who love the word of God, who love God with all their hearts. But over there, there's, there's none. So there's no well to be dug. Um, there's no children to save. There's no villages to liberate. And I asked God, I was like, well, why am I going over there? You know, um, it doesn't seem like they need me. And I'll tell you what there are. There are the lost. And the word of God says that all of heaven rejoices when one person comes to salvation. So my goal, my plan, our, our call has to do with salvation, with bringing them to know this God that saved me, who rescued me, and bringing that freedom to them so they're no longer slaves to their lifestyle and their sin. Through scientific and economical evolution, they deemed it unnecessary to believe in God. So there's churches there, but they don't attend them. They'll never talk to you about Christianity. You have to kind of circumvent that. And what I do is, is I'm super social. So my wife, not so much. She's an introvert. Um, I will hug people in the parking lot of Walmart, uh, different things like that. Um, um, we were watching this movie, Trolls, with my kids, and there was this little ding on their watch, and they said, hug time. Well, I was walking through Walmart, and I was buying some milk, and I heard a ding, and I said, hug time, and <laughs> <laughs> I was by myself, and I turned around, and there was this big old guy standing there, and he was like, bring it in. <laughs> so we stood there for like five minutes hugging each other. And when I got back to the car, I told my wife about it. You should have saw her. She turned so red. And I was like, why are you embarrassed? She's like, I can't believe you did that and left me in here with these kids. But, um, yeah, so we're going to have a, 
a time in Sweden, we're going to have a time in Scandinavia. Uh, one way or another, we're going to win some people to the Lord, amen, and we're going to do it with the help of God, only by God's grace and mercy. But I believe that God has, has worked on their hearts and has moved them 40 years ago. Scandinavia used to send out missionaries in droves. The state church was was immaculate and wonderful and thriving. And now uh, local people have gathered together to discuss the state of Europe and the religious state of Europe. And they said this. They said if the, if the church dies, if Christianity dies, it dies first in Sweden. And that's, that's the message that I heard from my uh, leaders. And I told him, I said, it's going to die after I die. It's going to die after my children die and my grandchildren die because at that moment I made a choice again. I made the choice to follow after what God had called me to do. But at that moment, which was about a year later, I said, you know what? I'm giving it all to God. Everything that I have left inside of me, every generation I have left, we will lay down our lives for the cause of Christ to see people come to salvation to have the freedom that we have. And it's not freedom to do whatever you want in life. It's the freedom from sin, the separation from God, to be with him again right here, right now. So with that, I'll tell you what we're doing. We're going to be in a city called Iskilstuna. It's about an hour away from Stockholm. And we'll be working with this local Pentecostal church. Carl and Ruth Hasselgren are the pastors there. And we're going to be there for about two and a half years to three years, depending on if the budget holds up. But our goal is to reach young families and bring them into the church and get them thriving in their community and living for God um, and to help this church. They don't have a lot of educated leaders. They don't have a lot of leaders at all, anyone to really rise up. There's not a lot of biblical schools there, as you can imagine. Um, so... Uh, second fold, what we're going to be doing is going out into the universities, and we're going to be going out into these universities to reach university students, college students. Over there, university is free, but um, they have a lot of foreign exchange students that come for their schooling and stuff like that. It's not free to me. Uh, I can, If it was, I would probably enroll really quick because that would be an easy way to get into the university, but instead, I have to sneak around and try to figure out something else, but we're going to be going to these universities and try to start campus ministries, different things like that. Statistics show, Joyce Catano, I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's the area director over um, Asia and with the Assemblies of God, and her main goal is students for Christ, college age, things like that. She says between the ages of 20 and 24 is where she sees most students coming to the Lord. Why? Because even though you know everything, um, you don't know who you want to be, and you don't know what you want to be. And if we can infiltrate that and, and teach you about Christ and, and say, you can be a doctor, but you can also be a Christian. You can be a lawyer, but you can be a Christian too. And you can live for God with all of your heart. It doesn't have to be either or, you know. So that's, that'll be our goal we, we leave for Sweden in April. Once our budget is raised and everything, our, our date is April. Um, the kids will be fly-worthy by then, and uh, we'll be able to just get on a plane, us and the other four, and uh, land in Sweden and begin work. And part of that is the budget that we have to raise. 
and I have information on the back. There's information up here. I have my cell phone number on everything, so if you want to text me your info, um, anything you want to text me at all, it doesn't matter what time of night, I'll probably be awake, uh, social security number, whatever you got, you know, I'll take it, and I will take you to Sweden with me. Um, so we're excited. Uh, we've raised 100% of our budget, and we've raised about 35% of our monthly support. So anything that's given converts to monthly support, and we're looking for monthly partners at $30 a month, $50 a month, things like that. So, yeah, thank you guys so much once again, and uh, God bless you. Amen. Let us pray. Father God, I come to you. Lord, I pray that you would stand with me, strengthen me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all might hear. Lord, this is my prayer this morning, Father, that all would hear and know. Lord, I thank you for being here. Father, I thank you for every person that is here. Lord, I pray that you begin your hand of ministry upon their lives right now. In Jesus' holy name, amen. All right. Well, I like to start off, um, I'm going to talk about memories, but I like to play a little game real quick, and all you have to do is raise your hand. Um, it's a memory test. Uh, have you ever forgotten what you wanted to say? Ever did that? Who's ever done that? You ever forgotten what you wanted to say? It's a pretty common thing. Um, have you ever walked into a room and forgotten why you went into that room? Yeah. Have you ever forgotten one of your children at a Walmart or a nuclear power plant? Anything like that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> some bad parents out there. Um, well, I haven't forgotten any of my kids yet, but uh, I hope to one day. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, um, memory is a strange thing. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's baffled science for such a long time, and... Um, these were one of the things that God had spoke to my heart from the beginning. Within that five minutes that I talked about, uh, my mind was flooded with all of this information that I didn't know. See, Scandinavia, Sweden was not even on our radar. We were working as associate pastors down in Verdun, Illinois, uh, which is about 20 minutes south of Springfield and 30 minutes from anywhere important. Um, and we were working there as associate pastors for about three and a half, uh, three and a half years. And we, uh, our plan was to be senior pastors. We were going to move down south where it was warm and beautiful and sunny all the time. And uh, I had some churches that I was speaking to. Um, and I was like, you know, the next step is being a senior pastor, and this is going to be great. And that all happened. Um, and in that five minutes, God just, he overwhelmed me and he taught me um, the things that I needed to know about Scandinavia and the darkness that lies over that place. And, and as time went on and this process went on, I began to learn a whole lot more. But um, God spoke to me and said, I remember Scandinavia and I'm sending you there to tell them. And I didn't fully understand, understand what that meant, but... I was going to work hard at it and try to figure out, God, what do you mean by you remember? Did you ever forget? And how does this work? And, and your memory surely isn't like ours. So I love the word of God. I love to study. Um, studying does not come naturally to me. Don't let my glasses fool you. I have to work hard at it. And uh, over the past four years, I've also, 
uh, been interested in all sorts of things, physics and quantum physics and astronomy, and I've been obsessed with these things. Um, it was just sort of God breathed inside of me, and I knew at this moment that it was preparation for going to a place that is so technologically advanced, so so scientifically advanced in, in the way that they think. So um, that was a plus, but the Word of God uh, is what I love more than anything in the world besides Christ, and because it helps me understand who this God is and how I can get closer to him, how I can live with Jesus every single day of my life. So I have a memory, and this memory serves great purpose. One of the greatest influences on me at Central Bible College was a professor. His name was Terry Bleak, and uh, he taught a class called Biblical Theology, and we had been through the other classes, Systematic Theology and things like that, but Biblical Theology was a little different. It wasn't as um, robotic. It was this flow. It, he, he talked about the Word of God being a narrative. From the beginning to the end, God was one, and he showed us that this God had a plan and a purpose, and you could really, truly get to the depth of it. You could understand the heart of God if you saw it in this way from the beginning to the end. And so he revealed all these things. So since 2011, I enjoyed reading the Word of God like that. And as I was going through the Bible, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, it talked about God remembering people. So that's what I'm going to do with you this morning. It'll take a while, but we're going to get through it. Uh, no, I'll, I'll go quicker. Um, but we'll start in Genesis. Genesis chapter 8-1 is the first time I find that God remembers someone. And I took note of it. Normally, if the Bible says something three times consecutively, um, scholars will take note and say, hey, it's trying to tell us something. Well, 177 times it talks about God remembering. And uh, so I went to my sources and I, I began to study. But I got to Genesis 8, 1, and it says this. But God remembered Noah. And this is talking about the flood. It all happened. Noah was on the boat, 40 days, 40 nights. And... Uh, this is where we pick up, and it says this, but God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and all the livestock with all uh, that were with him on the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. So God remembered Noah, and he saved him. He rescued him, and I thought, hey, that's pretty cool. Is that what you want to do for Sweden? Is that what you want to do for Scandinavia? And that would be a very short sermon. Um, so <laughs> I, I continued to read, and, and, and I began to see over and over again, and, and I felt like, God, this is the truth, but you're trying to drill it in. You're trying to make this so much more and deeper. So Genesis 19.29, um, Genesis chapter 19, verse 29, uh, it, it, this is the story of Abraham speaking to God, and, and then God goes down to Sodom and Gomorrah. The angels go down, and they're going to destroy the place and um, so that's the background of this verse. And it says, so when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham. And he brought Lot out of the catastrophe that overthrew Lot, the, the city where Lot had lived. So God remembered. 
and someone was saved and rescued. Over and over and over again in Exodus, uh, Rachel, when she couldn't conceive, Israel, while they were slaves, Hannah, so many people, God would remember, and the word of God tells us this, that he remembered them. And I was kind of puzzled. I'm like, God, you know, uh, how does your memory work? And I wanted to really understand this. So I knew my purpose and my plan when I went to Scandinavia. I knew this God who was backing me up. And I knew exactly what he wanted me to do, which I didn't need all the details, but uh, I wanted to learn. So I thought maybe if I understood how we remember, maybe I could understand deeper how God remembers. And I went on this process of learning. I went to um, John Hopkins University's website, and they've been doing neurology work for a long, long time. And the leading studies, uh, a long time ago, they didn't understand how memory worked. Um, they, did, they couldn't figure out how it was stored or anything like that. They knew that if you damage the frontal lobe or the temporal lobe, you'd probably have some memory issues. But they really didn't understand it. So with the advancement of science and technology and things like that, I am pleased to say that we are now more confused than ever. Yeah. I found nothing. Two weeks of studying, and I, uh, they really had no answers. They, they're... The, the advancements, they found things um, like, for example, memories are a total brain function, even firing small electrical charges in the heart. It, it, it engages the whole body, and it, it dictates everything that we do. From the beginning of our day to the end of our day, our memories, they push us and they drive us to do the things that we do. What if you forgot how to drive? <laughs> uh, so many things can be so dangerous. Memories can be used. They can be used to harm or to help. They can be used um, to hurt. They can be used to heal, to break, to love, to hate. They can be used. We use our memories constantly in this way. But what that told me was this, is that God, when he remembers us, I think he remembers us out of love out of this all-encompassing love that is amazing and unexplainable and, and really no reason for it, but, but this God loves us and he cares about us and he remembered them. So as I continued on reading through the word of God, I got to the main scripture that I want to share with you this morning. Um, it's in Judges chapter 16. Um, Judges chapter 16, starting in verse 23. And if you can turn there, I really want you to understand uh, this scripture verse. I, I prayed over this, and, I, and I, I began to seek God's face. And, and I'll give you a little background about this scripture, Judges chapter 16, verse 23. Um, this is the scripture about Samson. He's a mighty man. Um, this is picking up towards the end of his life. Samson was a very strong man. At this point, the Philistines have captured him. They've gouged his eyes out, cut his hair, and they've drug him off, right? And this is where we pick up. The Philistine rulers held a great festival, offering sacrifices to their god, Dagon. They said, our god has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. When the people saw him, they praised their god, saying, our god has delivered our enemies to us, the one who killed so many of us in our power. Have drunk by now. The people demanded, bring out Samson so he can amuse us. 
So when he was brought from prison to amuse them, Samson said to the servant who was leading him by the hand, place my hands against the pillar that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people, uh, all the Philistine rulers and about 3,000 men and women on the roof, and they were all watching Samson amuse them. And this is the, this is the part that stood out. Verse 28. And I, when I read it, it says this. Then Samson prayed, Lord, sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh, God, please strengthen me. One more time, with one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. So he said, remember me. And this is, this is really the first time in Scripture that, that someone asked God to remember them. And I was confused by this. Uh, I just read the entire story, right? And I'll, I'll explain my confusion. I asked myself, what could you remember about Samson? I didn't understand that. Um, as I struggled to understand this, I, I would kind of toil over it. This is the thing about Samson. I just read the whole story, and Samson spent his entire adult life disobeying God. He ate honey out of a deadline, gave some to his parents. That's super gross, and it broke his covenant. Um, his lust for women drew him over and over again away from God. And then he fell in love with Delilah, who wasn't his wife. Then finally giving up the one thing that made him holy, that made him a Nazarite, that made him strong and powerful and a judge for the Lord, he gave it up to this woman. So as he's standing there chained up or leaning against this pillar, what could, what could God remember about him? I, I struggled with that, I, and I, I didn't understand it. At this junction, you know, Christ wasn't here yet. So um, what redemption was there for him? So I began to look at all the commentaries that I had and study and try to figure out, can I get some clarity on this? And, and I really, not a lot of people would talk about this concept of God remembering. So I didn't get any clarity, and I needed the Holy Spirit to speak to me and to really drive it home. And I looked at the Hebrew and this was really interesting, and it kind of opened my eyes to this. And it was a process that God used. Um, in the Hebrew, the phrase remember me, uh, in most translations, it's zakar with a little bit of extra wording uh, for the word me. But there really wasn't a word for me that existed um, that we had when our Bibles were written and translated. So... I didn't get a whole lot of clarity, but as I continued to research, in the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found in 1947, um, they're called Dead Sea Scrolls, they found uh, the oldest living copies of our Bible today that confirms that what's written here is also true and, in fact, of what was written back then, and it wasn't tainted, it wasn't defiled in any kind of way. So in the Dead Sea Scrolls, there was something interesting that came up. Um, the word that is used there in their copy of Judges is malafa, which means braid. They, they kind of interchange it. Braid. So he was saying to God, remember my braid. Remember my hair, my covenant. Remember that. And God spoke to my heart and he told me this. He said, Samson wasn't asking me to remember him. 
He wasn't asking me to remember him at all. He was asking me this. Remember what you intended me to be when you created me and make me that again. And I began to weep. I began to cry because I knew the good things that God had for Scandinavia, that he had an intention for them, and he was going to make them that again. He was going to change this, this course. And Samson opened my eyes to this, and it was amazing. And I was like, I thought Samson was being selfish. You know, remember me, oh God, now that I've squandered everything. But what he was saying was this. You had a plan and a purpose for me. You had a reason, and I messed it up, but that's okay because you're God and you're bigger than me. So can you remember me? And God remembered him, gave him his strength back. He destroyed the temple and paid back the Philistines. So God can remember. And I began over and over again just systematically going through and, and seeing the story of God remembering people and this aspect and this attribute of God. So I got to the end of the word of God uh, towards the New Testament. And one time in the New Testament, it talks about God remembering. Um, you might know the story. It's found in Luke chapter 23, verse 40. And I'll give you a little background. Jesus Christ, he was uh, flogged and beaten and captured and then nailed to a cross. And um, as I went through the word of God, I began to see how people would ask God to remember them and Hezekiah and Jeremiah. And then they kind of explain, you know, God, I've done this for you and I've done that for you. And, and they, they were great merits, especially Hezekiah towards the end of his life. And Hezekiah rolls over in his bed and he says, uh, God, remember me. And God restores his life 15 years because of the great things he did for God. And God knew he was going to do greater things. Um, so I get none of that really stood out. But then I got to this Luke 23, verse 40. Um, and in this time, Jesus is nailed to the cross. He says this. This is what's going on. But the other criminal protested. Everyone's yelling at Jesus. They're spitting at him. Criminals are on his left and his right. And one of them is saying, hey, you know, if you're God, get us all off of this, you know. And it says this. But one of the criminals protested, don't you fear God? Even when we've been sentenced to die, he says this. We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, surely today you will be with me in paradise. Now, by the time I got to this scripture, it was about a month later, and I kind of forgot what I struggled with with Samson um, because memory is a funny thing. So I kind of struggled all over again. I'm like, for a minute, I was like, God, what could you remember about this dude on a cross? I, that doesn't make any sense. And then what I did was is, I wanted so badly to link these together, but I'm an honest person. I try to be, um, and I don't want to lie to you. One of the biggest convictions I have is taking scripture out of context or making it into something that I want it to be to serve my purpose, and, and I don't want to do that, and I don't want to be dishonest with you, and I don't want to just say this matches all together and it's, and it's, and it's wonderful. 
but God took it to a whole nother level with me, and, and, and I'll show you. Um, I looked at the commentaries and everything that I could find, and no one was really saying a whole lot about this phrase, remember me. And in the Greek, it's really this Greek phrase, remember me, just means remember me, but it's only used right here. Um, there's so many different words, Greek words for remember and me and all this, but this phrase is only used right here. Well, I had to search through the, uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey and things like that to really understand um, how they use this, how the Greeks use it. And the way that the Greeks used it was it was always a person talking to a god, saying this, remember what you intended me to be and make me that again. That was the intention of this phrase, was to restore and to remake into what perfection looked like. So then God spoke to my heart again and said, this thief, he wasn't asking Jesus to remember him. He was asking him, I'm sorry, but I've messed up my life. I've ruined what you've made me. You had an intention for me. Is there any way that you can make me that again? And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And I got pretty excited. I was like, man, this is amazing. This is God. This is, this is the same God from the, new, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. This is the same one. And, and it was revealed through Scripture that God actually remembers people. And this was amazing. For, for me, it proved that even today, God could remember Scandinavia. Now, I want to give you a little bit of background uh, about me, and this is that portion of it. Uh, I wasn't raised in church. I was, um, I was born into darkness. My family, uh, they had a lot of children, but they were abusive towards alcohol and drugs and also us. Um, I have four brothers, and uh, I was the youngest. I was three months old, and I had cigarette burns all over my body and broken bones and bruises everywhere. My mom would use me as a shield to protect herself against abusive people. So I was born into the secular world, and I, I really didn't know anything else, you know, um, I was rescued out of that situation, adopted. I was actually left on the front porch with a note that said, take to Johnny and Sandra, uh, which were the parents that adopted me and raised me. They were actually my aunt, my uncle. So at 14, Sandra, who adopted me and raised me, um, she, she raised me right uh, in a lot of ways. They provided everything for me. I had four-wheelers and a nice house, and they owned businesses, and life was so sweet and so good. It, was it wasn't Christian. It was still secular in so many ways. There was drugs. There was different things like that, but, but it was a great life. Um, and she passed away when I was 14. She, it was sudden. She was 44 years old. She had an aneurysm and died. And about two months later, I was homeless. I had no place to go. My dad was devastated. He left town. So I decided to stay at home as long as I could. And uh, I remember just hanging out at my house, waiting, waiting for something to happen, waiting for anyone to happen, um, and eventually getting hungry and 
and, and more and more hungry. And uh, I would go hunt and I would go fish and I'd do different things like that. And uh, So they sold the house. I ended up on the street living from uh, park bench to park bench, um, maybe a friend's car, different things like that. I had a hammock. I would sleep out in the woods quite often. Um, and I turned to drugs because drugs were fast money. It was easy for me to sell. I knew a lot of bad people. And uh, so at 16, I became a full-fledged drug dealer. Um, I, I fought. I fought all the time. I, I, I at a certain point, I enjoyed fighting with people. Um, it was a reputation that I had. You know, I could fight. So I'm going to fight with you, and, and I'm going to take care of my own. And uh, I earned money all the way till I was 21 years old, and it just got worse and worse. And I did terrible things, horrible things. And I, uh, I would walk around with this guilt that was on me and this shame and, and, and just sort of ostracized from society, but... In my own world, people looked up to me. They respected me. I took it. I demanded it. And that's what I became. In a secular world, I was, I was a monster. You know? And God kind of reminded me of that time. Um, and I thought to myself, if God could remember, could he forget? And when we, when we interact with secular people or, or atheist people, um, a lot of times they'll read the, the Old Testament and they'll say, your God is, is, if he's real, he's evil. Because look at all the terrible things that he had Israel do and all the terrible things that, that he did, right? Because they read a lot of things out of context. Um, so one of the scripture verses that I like to use if I'm able to, um, it's hard to use scripture with people who are arguing with you. Um, so I try to stray away from that. But... What I do is, is um, if I get an opportunity, Ezekiel chapter 18 is what I go to. And um, it reveals something about God, about God forgetting. It says this, Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 21. It says, but if the wicked man turns from his sins, which he has committed, and observes all my statutes and practices, justice and righteousness, he shall surely live. He shall not die all his transgressions that he has committed will not be remembered against him because of his righteousness, which he has practiced, he will live. And this is where God speaks to Ezekiel, and he says this. He says, do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked? When so many people in our world say, God killed that person because they were evil, or God did this, or God did that. God tells you his heart right here in the word. He says, do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked? Rather that they should turn from their ways and live. So God would not remember your transgressions or anything like that. I have a memory. March 12, 2006. Um, I was 21 years old. First time I ever went to a church on a Sunday morning. I went to this church a few times before. Um, on a Wednesday, about a month before uh, each Wednesday I went consecutively. Uh, first time I went, I thought it was strange. Everyone was clapping their hands and singing songs, and I smelled like cigarettes and all kinds of other things. And um, I, I was like, you know, <laughs> this is different. And I went on the Sunday morning for the first time. And this is a bigger church. It's about 
2,000 people. It's a large building, and there was a balcony. So I went in, and I was in my club clothes, and I had my hair done, and I got up there, up in the balcony, and I was looking out at the crowd, and and um, service went on, and towards the end, the pastor, he didn't give an altar call or anything. He just prayed, and he uh, he ended the service, and I was looking around as he was praying, and I didn't even know I was praying because I didn't know how to pray or anything like that. So I just said, God, that's what I want to be. I was looking at people like you, and I was like, I want to be, I want to be that. I, I want to be a Christian. I don't care if I ever hear you, or 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 feel you, or or if anything changes. I just, I just want to be a Christian. These people, they're not afraid and they're not scared, and they're not me. I just want to be that. And after the service, I walked down to the pastor, and I remember everything about it. Um, he's about six foot two, gray hair. He had a gray suit, white shirt, yellow tie, brown belt, brown watch, brown shoes, boxers on. Um, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't know if he had boxers, but I uh, I remember every detail, everything about it. And I walked up to him and I said, "What do I have to do to be a Christian?" And uh, and that's exactly how I said it. I said, what do I have to do to be a Christian? I was confused in the, in the moment. I was like, I don't know what to do. What I, how does this work? Do you, what do you do? So he just pulled me to the side and he prayed with me real quick. I remember every word of the prayer. You want to come up and just play a little bit. Um, I'll end with this. But I remember everything, everything about it. And um, nothing weird happened. I didn't levitate or. I didn't used to have blonde hair and blue eyes, uh, so nothing strange happened, but something much bigger, much greater than all of that. All the guilt that I had when I came and I was walking down, I was thinking about all the past things that I did and all the people that I'd hurt, and I was feeling so unworthy to be in a place, a building like this, and when I prayed with him, all that guilt was gone. And I remember, I didn't notice it, but when I got out of the building, I was like, I don't feel that. I don't feel that weight. I don't feel that guilt. I don't feel that anymore. Where, where did that go, you know? And I realized that it was salvation. It was, it was Christ who saved me. And no matter what happens, no matter what theories, no matter what comes on the news, no one can ever deny your salvation. No one can ever debunk it. No one can ever disprove it. So this morning, I would have you just think. Is there something God can remember you for? Do you believe God can remember you? He spoke this to me while I was doing this. He said, Corey, when I saved you, I remembered you, and now I'm making you into what I intended you to be when I first thought of you, when I first created you, when I first made you, I'm making you into that again. So if you need God to remember you, maybe it's for salvation, be bold if you can. Say, what do I have to do? Um, but it could be for healing. It could be for finances, anything like that. And I'll have pastor um, welcome you guys to prayer or whatever, but just let me pray over you real quick. Let's do that. Father God, I thank you.
and I praise you. Lord, you are mighty and you are big and you are real and you are here. And you are stronger than anything that can come against us, oh God. So I pray that you would remember us. Remember this church. Remember the ones who are struggling with finances, with relationships. Lord God, remember the ones who need healing from, from cancer, from anything else that might get in the way of their purpose being lived out for you, Lord God. Father, I worship you, Lord, and I thank you for what you have done. I know that you're in this place, Father God, so I pray that you would be with us. Lord, be with us when we leave. All the guilt, all the shame, all the anxiety. Father God, I cast it out right now in the name of Jesus that it has no place here. Lord, I pray that they would be open-handed about this, that they would give it to you, Father God, and no longer hold on to it. Lord, I thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand as we bring this to a close. As Corey was speaking, and you're wondering, God, what did you intend me to be? Where is your plan in my life? I believe the light bulbs are turning on, and there may be some here this morning that are saying, man, I need to come to relationship with Jesus. I need to surrender my life, like Corey was saying, it's the best decision you'd ever make. I can remember my story, my grandma leading me to the Lord in our little living room. It's the best decision I've ever made when I was nine years old. There's no reason you need to walk out of these doors without settling that. We want to give you that opportunity with your head bowed and eyes closed if you're here today and the light bulb's gone on saying, Lord, what did you create me to be? He created you without any shadow of a doubt to be a follower of him. It says in Scripture that he desires for all men and women, young and old, to have a personal relationship with him. And if you are here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus and you're ready to receive Christ, I want you just to lift up your hand right where you are. I'm not going to call you out or bring you forward even. Who else? Got a young man here? Thank you. In the back, yes. Who else? We've got a couple individuals, anyone else, ready to make that decision. Say, man, I, I want to know for sure. I want to make sure that Christ is in me. For the sake of these two, would you just repeat a prayer after me, and especially for those two that raised your hand, say this with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm learning your story and that you have a plan for me. And part of that plan is for me to know you. So help me to know you. Come into my heart. Make my life clean. Take away my sin. And give me victory. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you know, it's not the words of that prayer <laughs> that are all that special. But I'll tell you, if you mean what we just prayed, 
Your sins are taken as far as the east is from the west. And at lunchtime, I want to talk to you about God remembering. Does he really forget? We can talk about that. But, uh, uh, but he doesn't hold it against us, that's for sure. And he doesn't hold your sin against you any longer if you've made that decision. And uh, with God's amazing grace, he gives us a new life, and we can walk in that. How many are thankful for a new life? Amen? Oh, man, I know I am. Well, this morning I'm going to just have a closing prayer, and after I say amen, I want you to turn and greet one another uh, before you go. But know this, that when you walk out of here, for those of us that do know the Lord, there's someone we're going to meet today. There's someone that we're going to meet this week or later this month that needs what you have. And the passion to reach one more has to be right at the top and I, we want to commission you to do that. So, Lord, I pray that you would go before us, behind us, and all around us, helping us, Lord, to reach one more. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Turn and greet someone this morning. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.